I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. That'll do it. And it's time for the Mark Miller Utah Jazz Post Game Show with your hosts, Jake Scott and the coach, Tim Lacombe. Jazz Post Game, Jake Scott, coach Tim Lacombe. Jazz fall tonight, the Sixers 105 to 98 in it up until the end, but Joel Embiid proves to be too much. What a performance. 59 points on 19 of 28 shooting. He had 11 rebounds, 8 assists, 7 block shots. He was 20 of 24 from the line. And, you know, there's just those performances uh, that that you remember against Jazz basketball. Locke listed off a bunch of them, and this is going to go right down as one of those performances. Man, is he good. That's what it felt like watching it. It felt like um, you're watching one of those historic performances. He he had it going. I mean, seven seven for nine from long mid, mid-range, and they didn't hit the rim. It was dead-eye. So uh, you, you definitely have to really appreciate the level of talent, his size, his ability to move around, uh, do all the things to impact the game. I, I thought he had a little extra juice tonight. It was nice to see. You know, I, I question his, um, you know, long-term ability to win big. Uh, but if he plays like that, he was really engaged. Seven blocks? I mean, yeah, what didn't man. he do? Well, the Jazz are fortunate, and probably the whole league is fortunate, that he is one of a kind because the Jazz do not match up well against Joel Embiid. We certainly confirmed that tonight. Yeah, there's no question. And uh, you, you said it in the pregame talking with Mike, just a monster of a man, but... Gosh, he was the monster tonight. Everything the Jazz did, they did so many things well, uh, but he just kind of had the answer. Malik Beasley led the Jazz in scoring tonight uh, with 18 points, 6 of 13, 4 of 10. He did that in 29 minutes coming off the bench. Lowry Markinen with 15, uh, Olenek with 14, Jordan Clarkson with 12. Uh, should add Colin Sexton in 25 minutes off the bench. He had 15 as well. But uh, we talked about it with Locke. Offensively, uh, the, the wheels came off there in the second half. They definitely did. You know, a couple of things I noticed um, outside of the historic performance of, uh, by Embiid was the Jazz really struggled again to get the ball stopped um, in transition. Oftentimes, or, or several times, you know, guys go down the floor. Coach Hardy's talked about it. I'm sure he'll mention that tonight and get something easy. Um, the Jazz fought like crazy on the glass. They actually won the rebounding battle 50-39. Um, to 39. Uh, but it was because, obviously, a lot of balls going through the basket there in the second half for Embiid. But um, you, you, one thing I think would be interesting to see if he talks about is spacing. I didn't think their spacing was great tonight. 
All right, with that, we will say good night to our network stations. Our next broadcast is coming your way on Tuesday night. The New York Knicks will be in town. That game will tip off at 7 o'clock. For those of you sticking around with us, we'll have sound from Coach Hardy, sound from the players, as well as the Jazz Fall tonight in Philly, 105-98. You're listening to Utah Jazz Basketball. Running hook, blocked it. The final box score is printed. Jake Scott and the coach Tim Lacombe are breaking down how it all happened on the Mark Miller Utah Jazz Postgame Show. Oh, my! Jazz Post Game brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru, featuring the My Subaru Is campaign. Real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Share your Subaru story for a chance to win prizes. Learn more and share at markmillersubaru.com. Jazz Fall tonight uh, in Philly to the Sixers, 105-98. to A historic performance from Joel Embiid, 59 points. A 19 of 28 shooting. What an efficient 59 points. Uh, 20 of 24 from the line. 11 rebounds, 8 assists, 7 blocks. Uh, what a what a performance from Embiid, who uh, lifted his team to the victory. Uh, the Jazz uh, fought hard, but, the, man, they played so many games, Coach, in such a little amount of time. Uh, this road trip, they played so many road games, and it just felt like the energy was lacking. I just felt like it kind of caught up with them a little bit, too. Um What's most impressive is they took this haymaker from Embiid and literally are, you know, a couple of possessions, free throws uh, from from being right there to, to win this game. So I, I think the positives are, are certainly there tonight, but it, it was a historic performance. There's been a ton of games, you know, since the Jazz have come here uh, to be able to say, oh, second only to Kobe. Uh, you know that that was what it felt like watching it. Had to have been awfully frustrating, and and I credit Will Hardy. He get, he mixed up looks. You know he kept running guys at him in the high post and did all sorts of things. Jazz only shot thirty nine percent from the field tonight. Thirty seven of ninety four, uh, eleven of thirty seven for three at twenty nine percent. But to your point, just uh, they missed a lot of easy ones in the fourth quarter. Uh, that that could have made this game. I mean, it was a competitive game, but more so. I wouldn't say it would have sealed the deal for the Jazz per se, but it seemed like there was a lot of baskets at the rim, a lot of opportunities. Uh, not to pick on Jordan Clarkson, but he missed a couple that he makes all the time. Locke talked about how they struggled with the floater, which is not something you see all the time either. So, uh, you know, missed some opportunities to win this game despite the big-time performance from Joel Embiid. Yeah, it's, you know, I think it'll be interesting because one thing that Coach Hardy said oftentimes, you know, as long as you do kind of what the game tells you to do, um, and I feel like this team has done that in spades. I mean, we've seen that over and over and over again. Tonight, um, Jordan Clarkson, they kind of that change of possession quick. Sexton's got it. Um, It chooses to attack Embiid instead of just kicking that ball to the corner. I'm sure that's something he'll talk about. If Clarkson hits that, it ties the game, right? But those types of things, those are things you can coach and work on. That, the turnovers, some of the the things that the Jazz got turned around on. Um, but overall, I love the effort, and, and a lot of guys came in and gave uh, gave the Jazz a huge lift. They did, and, and I don't think effort is, is going to be a problem at all with this version of not the Jazz. Effort, effort was certainly not the problem tonight. I mean, we, we saw guys diving after loose balls. You saw Mike Conley. Uh, dive after one, you know, Mike, the, the ultimate vet on this team, getting after it, making sure they get an extra bite at the apple, an extra possession. They got some stops in the fourth quarter, actually, there with uh, under 90 seconds to go, got a couple of stops in a row and just couldn't capitalize. I mean, 
they they did everything they could to put themselves in a chance to win it. They just missed on the opportunities. 18 offensive rebounds, just an absolutely great number. Four from Vanderbilt, four from Clarkson, three from Markinen, and five from Kessler. Um, a couple guys had one, but that's always a, a huge thing to look at with effort. And then to your point, fatigue. We have not seen the team shoot free throws this poorly or even come close. They've been a good free throw shooting team. Shoot 13 for 23 tonight. Um, and then threes. It's a huge part of their their weapon um, to be able to space teams out. 11 for 37, 29%. So that leads me to believe you're, you're, you're on there in terms of fatigue and long trip. You mentioned the uh, free throws. That's your Chick-fil-A foul shot review of the game. Download a whole new way to Chick-fil-A, earn rewards with the Chick-fil-A One app. And, yeah, that seems like one of those observations that uh, the, the probably is a pretty obvious one, Coach. If you're missing your free throws and the Jazz, I mean, 56.5% from, from the foul line tonight, 13 of 23, as you mentioned, is is just got to be a sign that the legs aren't there. I mean, uh, at least not like like Lowry Markinen, for example, one of four from the line and missed missed those two critical ones there in the fourth that could have kept the Jazz alive. Colin Sexton was one of five. That's that's certainly not the, the norm for that guy. No, it's one thing I look at all the time. We talk about the frequency of their free throws and how accurate they've been. So that's an outlier. Um, and then just a point on the officiating. I've mentioned this before, but like there there are a couple of plays. The, the Olenek, when he got clubbed kind of on that layup, Looked like he got fouled. No call. The marks the marking and charge block. Hey, I don't care. Just call one or the other. But you can't let all that collision happen in a game like this in the fourth quarter and not call it. Um, and then that the way they overturned that. I'll never understand replay. I don't know why we necessarily have it because it's about fifty fifty from what we see to what's actually called in Secaucus. I love it that I'm bringing you around to my point of view oh, on I'm this. I'm so there. Just you, you've such got a me waste so of cranky. time. <laughs> One of those officials actually refed in the WCC, and he was horrible there. So I don't know how he got his number called. Promote that man. Yeah, I, I guess it's the way of the world. Well, I, I get frustrated with replay because it just wastes so much time. And they did, honestly, they, they don't get it right you know, 100%. It's not even close. I mean, look basically across all sports. You'd see it. You know, NFL football going, you see it all the time in the NFL where get the wrong call anyway and just waste all that time reviewing it. And, you know, frankly, it doesn't alleviate any fan frustration on either side. There was a play in the, in the Bills-Vikings game today, the monumental game. It's one of the best games I've seen ever. But there was a play, so they'll stop it like somebody sneezes, right? We need to see if that was an illegal sneeze, right, with like 15 minutes left in the second quarter. They're going to run to that monitor. But there was like a play that determined the outcome of the game and no replay, and it ended up being the wrong call. Yeah. Um, the Bills ended up going down and scoring. But that's my point is if we're going to use it, let's, let's utilize it for what it can do. I think it's just bogging the game down. I think so too. And then – Rarely do you see the right outcome. We're talking about that that play that could have gone off uh, Markinen or Harris there tell. in the fourth I mean, quarter. And, and the, the the letter of the law is supposed to be you go with the call on the floor if there's no evidence to you know decide it one way or another. And frankly, that was as close as anything I've ever seen. You know, but but then again, we're just here watching it too. You know, it's I I'm fine with refs being. Um, Imperfect. Let me complain about it and move on to the next play. You know, everybody's still uh, wrapped up in justice and getting it right. Well, they rarely get it right anyway, and it just adds to the frustration, I think. But anyway, that aside, let's get to the coach. That's what folks want to hear from. Let's go back to Philly and hear from Jazz head coach Will Hardy. 
five steals. Tyrese Maxey had four steals. Um, For a variety of reasons. We did not shoot the ball well. We did not execute very well on the offensive end. Um, Obviously, you know, missing shots and missing free throws can happen in a game. Um, The stat that bothers me the most is Philly had 14 block shots. Um, That's a lot of poor spacing and poor decision making. Um, You know, credit to to Philly. They played well. Embiid played a great game, took advantage of our lack of discipline uh, guarding the ball and fouling. Um, And we still had a chance to win. Um, It's been a... uh, a frustrating night for for our group, but it's something that we can uh, we can definitely learn a lot from. Um, look forward to getting back home. When you say it's been a frustrating night, what do you think? Where, where does the peak of that frustration come from? Yeah, I thought this this game was not representative of how we want to play. Um, I thought we started the game great. We controlled the tempo. Our spacing was very good. Um, our execution was good, and as the game went on, uh, that did not continue. And it put us in a tough spot um, against a good team and a very good player down the stretch. What would you have liked to see differently against Embiid, especially down the stretch? Uh, I would have liked to have seen us do a little bit better job on the ball, not getting beat with the first dribble. Um, and then I think when you come to help, you have to keep your hands out. He's a uh, he's a master at drawing fouls. Um, he does the sweep through very, very well. Um, and when you play the fourth quarter of an NBA game in the bonus for the majority of it, defense is very hard, especially against a physical player like that. Tried to double and then kind of went away from it a little bit, or at least were less quick on the double. What did you kind of notice about those situations in particular? Yeah, I thought our communication and execution was very poor um, in those situations. We did a very uh, a bad job communicating where the crowded side was um, so that the player on the ball knows where to send the ball. Um, and credit to Embiid, he, t- he took advantage of it and played a great game. Um, you know, and I think it a lot of our poor defensive play or poor communication stemmed from the fact that our offense was not uh, operating the way it should. And I felt like our team got frustrated and uh, wasn't, we were not able to carry over our focus to the defensive end very well. But, you know, it's, it's a great learning moment for our team and uh, a lot more games to go. You mentioned the blocks and beat at seven of them. was spending a lot of time in the paint. I guess what would you like to see differently spacing-wise in order to get him out and maybe attack him in different situations? Yeah, I thought we did a good job of uh, uh, of spacing him at times during the game. Um, and then I also just think that the timing of our decisions was a little bit off tonight. Uh, when a player like that stands in the paint for the majority of the game, you uh, you have to be on time and deliver the ball. Um I thought we had some opportunities to to find guys on kickouts and, and put him in some tough spots. Um, but, you know, he did a good job, and their guys on the ball did a very good job of, uh, you know, disrupting us. I mean, Thibault had five steals. Tyrese Maxey had four steals. Um, you know, those guys did a very, very good job of being disruptive on the defensive end. You've talked a lot about operating well in chaos. But can that nip you in the butt every once in a while? There's 82 games. Um, I, w- I wish that we were able to uh, 
be be perfect through all 82. Um, you know, tonight and the second night of a back-to-back in a, a tough environment here in Philly, I think, um, you know, we, we, we had some moments where we could have really seized control of the game, and uh, we didn't. And sometimes you, you miss a timely shot, and that, that's okay. Um, you know, we're always just focused on how we play how we execute on offense and defense and some nights the ball just doesn't go in but um i don't think that was the case tonight is there a silver lining at all about how close it was despite what Embiid was doing on the other side yeah i mean he he had a great game but um you know he he took a lot of the shots you know there's there's only one ball so um i think looking at the final score 105 it wasn't our best night defensively but I still think you know we had a chance to win the game um the silver lining I think is that we're always in the game and our team doesn't quit and even if we're not playing our best our guys continue to fight and continue to stick in there and you know that's that's what our team's all about um is that you may be able to beat us, but you're going to have to beat us. Um, we're not going to just roll over and, and uh, let you win the game. So I love our team's intensity. I love the way that we continue to find ways to, to stick in games. Um, and tonight was a tough one. We talked before the game about Tyrese Maxey a little bit. I know that Embiid did a lot tonight, but in the first half especially, Maxey was kind of getting where he wanted when he wanted. What would you have liked to have seen better on that? Yeah, I think it's hard when a player like Embiid screening. You're, you're worried about Embiid a lot, and Maxi was able to get free. Um, I thought we made him take tough shots. I thought we made him take some long, long floaters, a lot of pull-up uh, two-point jump shots. Um, you know, he got a couple good looks from three that he didn't knock down. But you know, the, that's why these guys in the NBA are so good. Is uh, it puts you in a lot of tough spots. Um, you know, we can always do a little bit better job closing the gap and pick and roll and getting into guys bodies um but i think for the most part we uh, we did a pretty good job making tyrese take some t- hard shots to- all right there you go jazz head coach will hardy uh diagnosing this one as the jazz fall to the sixers 105 to 98 coach and i will talk about what coach hardy had to say right there coming up on the other side post game is brought to you by mark miller subaru and the my subaru is campaign real stories from real mark miller subaru customers subaru owners are diverse and each has a unique story to share read some and share your own my subaru is dot com more next you're listening to utah jazz basketball i'm dave Colley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. is in the books. Now, let's get to the reaction. Hear from the coaches, the players, as well as the coach, Tim Lacombe. It's the Mark Miller Utah Jazz Postgame Show. Here's Jake Scott. 
Jazz post game. Jake Scott, coach Tim Lacombe. Post game brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru and the My Subaru Is campaign. Real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Share your Subaru story for a chance to win prizes. Learn more and share. MarkMillerSubaru.com. Your final score. Uh, Jazz fall tonight to the 76ers in Philly, 105-98. What a performance from Joel Embiid. 59 points, 11 rebounds, 8 assists, 7 block shots. Uh, if he ha- he had one steal. If he had a couple more steals, we would have been talking uh, Andre Karolinko 5x5. Five five. Remember those days? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but it is amazing. Joel Embiid, for a guy that size, is just such an incredibly well-rounded player. And and the Jazz just had no answer. I mean, I don't, uh, honestly, I don't know what teams do have an answer, especially when he's really focused and got it going like that. But, man, the Jazz did not. No, he he has such an inherent advantage because he does not have to set up in one particular spot. I mean, David mentioned he, he that isolation in the middle of the floor is really hard to guard. Um, you know, you saw the Jazz having to make decisions there toward the end. He's going so good that you have to actually run a second guy at him in the middle of the floor, um, which certainly is going to lead to scramble. Um, but I thought overall they, they gave him good looks. He shot the ball extraordinarily well, and he did from the beginning. Um he he was lights out. I thought his effort and energy was was terrific. He plays in my mind um, maybe a handful of games, complete games like that a year. Um, and I thought the Jazz ran into one tonight. Yeah, and what are you going to do? I mean, coach, you've probably been there uh, on nights where you just the other guys got it going. You know, you coached Jimmer Fredette. I mean, how many nights did the other team just throw up their hands? Because you know what, nothing you can do with uh, with Jimmer. And as good as he was, as good as he was um, tonight, I, I did feel like you know the Jazz had their chances. Um, turnovers again, really a big issue that I thought kind of got the the game in a weird spot. You know the Jazz started so well, and then turnovers kind of neutralized it. But then their offensive rebound kept them in the game. Um, so a lot. A lot of film, a lot of things they can learn from, but most importantly, a day off, uh, travel, get home, and uh, and actually have a day off and, and be able to play here in this building. 17 total turnovers tonight for the Jazz, which, what, they have 10 at half, so it got a little bit better there in the second half, but uh, 17, uh, probably a little high, and then uh, Philadelphia only had 12. But, you know, 17 doesn't seem like the most egregious number we've seen this year as far as the turnovers go, but it seemed like the turnovers were... Silly. They were some silly. Of, some of them, you know, sometimes they get a lot of turnovers because they're being aggressive and trying to fit passes and, and things like that in there. There there were some silly ones that some weird passes. Uh, Vanderbilt had a behind-the-back pass there that just didn't go. I mean, just kind of some silly turnovers tonight. And Hardy talked about spacing. You know, they came out and spaced the floor so well, the ball popped. Uh, but, you, you know, a lot of those turnovers you talked about, spacing was not great. So there will be some good some good teaching moments there. This team has to be incredibly well-spaced, and then they share the ball. Um, I think that's why they got stuck a little bit as they went and drove it. Maybe there were guys in a little bit too tight, caused some tough angles. Um, but turnover certainly hurt them. I think that was a, that was a big shot in the arm for Philly uh, outside of, of what Embiid did. And like I told you, Thibel, five five steals. 
that dude between he and Maxi nine steals their guard line. They put a lot of pressure on you. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Maxi had this is just a funny box score for for Philadelphia. Maxi had eighteen, so uh, it took him twenty four shots though to get to that eighteen points. But then you look at the rest of the team, Coach. Uh, Harris had eight. Thibel had two. Uh, your guy, Gorgeous George Niang, five off the bench. Daniel House, the former jazz man, one. Uh, Harold had four. Milton, uh, two. And, oh, no, M- Milton with two. Melton had six. So 59 from Embiid. Maxi had 18. And the rest of the team, pretty much nothing from a scoring standpoint. I mean, pretty incredible. Think about it. Embiid had 59. Philadelphia as a whole had 105. This is an extraordinary line. P.J. Tucker, 30 minutes, no shots attempted from three or two or free throws. One defensive rebound, one assist, one steal, one turnover, two fouls. 30 minutes, though, not one attempted shot. Might as well have not even been there. One <laughs> pretty rebound? wild, bro. I'm telling you, I think that Thibel actually could be the kind of maybe their, their four that could guard everything and heck – He's not going to need to shoot. What yeah. the heck? I mean, honestly, you don't need anybody else if uh, Embiid is going to score 59. But it did squander a, a very nice bench night for the Jazz with Beasley at 18, lead the team in scoring. Uh, Sexton had 15. But uh, Walker Kessler had a couple. He had nine rebounds in 12 minutes. Nine rebounds, three block shots in 12 minutes for Walker Kessler as he just continues to astound. Taylor Horton Tucker with seven, Rudy Gay with three, but really Sexton and Beasley were great coming in off the bench. The bench really was the spark. Um, the the Jazz starters, not one of them, um, was in a plus. I'm you know we're not crazy about plus minus you and I, uh, but not one Jazz starter was in the plus category. Uh, everybody that played off the bench actually was a plus uh, tonight, except for Sexton who was minus three. Let's take a look at your master of the glass. Uh, Jazz fans, Safe Flight Auto Glass is proud to present this year's Master of the Glass Rebound Program. At the end of the regular season, Safe Flight will donate $5 to a charitable organization for each rebound secured by this year's team rebound leader. We have a tie tonight for Master of the Glass uh, with Lowry Markinen and Jared Vanderbilt. They both had 10 rebounds apiece. And Walker Kessler, as we mentioned, had nine coming in off the bench in 12 minutes. A Jazz total, uh, let's see here, out-rebounded Philadelphia 50-39. to 39. And you were mentioning the offensive rebounds, 18-8. to eight. Yeah, I'm going to tie break. Vanderbilt wins the tie break because he had less turnovers and one more offense. All right, break. there you go. Congratulations to Jared Vanderbilt, your master of the glass tonight. I want to remind you about the uh, Jazz Most Valuable Educators program presented by Instructure, the makers of Canvas. Throughout the season, the Utah Jazz and Instructure will recognize 14 MVEs. Each one will receive a visit from Jazz Bear, $1,000 grant, a personalized jersey, and tickets to see a jazz game in a suite. Go to utahjazz.com slash MVE to nominate your favorite educator today. Coming up next, we'll get you some player sound from Philadelphia as the Jazz fall tonight to the Sixers 105-98. to You're listening to Utah Jazz Basketball. Running hook, blocked it! The final box score is printed. Jake Scott and the coach Tim Lacombe are breaking down how it all happened on the Mark Miller Utah Jazz postgame show. Oh my! Jazz postgame show, Jake Scott, Coach Tim Lacombe. Postgame brought to you, as always, by our friends at Mark Miller Subaru. 
and the My Subaru Is campaign. Real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Share your Subaru story for a chance to win prizes. Learn more and share. Mark Miller Subaru. Dot com jazz fall tonight uh, in Philly to the 76ers, 105-98. to uh, What did you make of Lowry Markkinen's game tonight, Coach? 15 points, 10 boards, had four turnovers. He was 6 of 13, shooting 2 of 5 from 3, and then uh, uncharacteristic 1 of 4 from the line, including a couple of uh, uh, crucial ones down the stretch that he wasn't able to get going. But uh, he had to at least take some assignment trying to slow down Joel Embiid and uh, – you know, Coach, he's somebody they've come to rely on on both sides of the ball, really, but specifically offensively. Yeah, he he was quiet. Um, I felt like fatigue may be a thing for him. Just 13 shots, <clears throat> excuse me, in 34 minutes, but 10 rebounds and 15 points. Probably <clears throat> need just a little bit more from Lowry. Um, but I, I credit Philly, their game plan, their physicality, their length probably bothered him quite a bit tonight and um it didn't i mean it's never easy for a big guy like that on a second night of a back-to-back it's gonna be a hard one yeah and it, it was tonight uh interesting feely coming off the second night of a back-to-back too yeah uh, speaking of lowry marketing let's go back to philadelphia and hear from the man himself and joel and tonight uh, i think that i mean he does everything he can shoot the three ball i know he didn't Shoes many today, but he can definitely do that. But then he can put it on the floor, and uh, he's big body that we try to be physical with him. And then, of course, when you get when he gets those calls, he's capable of knocking all the free throws down as well. So, just to he can play overall basketball game and do everything. So, really tough cover. What was Will trying to tell you guys to do in, in the huddles in those fourth quarter you know, timeouts to try to slow him down a little bit? Trying to force him to the crowd. Obviously, he does a great job facing up, and he sees where the double team is coming from. And I think we a couple times put our hands in, and he got when they were on the bo- on the bonus, uh, he got to free throw line too easily. Uh, a couple of dumb, dumb fouls, I think, and... Uh, Obviously, it's credit to him. Uh, he does a really good job of making us adjust and uh, bring everything we got, and then he makes the right read. So, well, said so maybe the thing he was most frustrated about tonight was that they had 14 blocks against you guys, and just kind of your spacing and overall offensive execution. What did you see on that end, and what do you want to improve on? Yeah, that uh, just gotta keep playing. The way we've been playing and being successful at the moving the ball and uh, having off the ball cuts and just play that way. I think we we went to uh, the ball moving wasn't the same as it's been for. Uh, again, credit them. They played good defense. Uh, but then, yeah, it comes down to our spacing when we did try the ball. It's having the outlets to kick out rather than having to throw up some difficult shot and that ends up getting blocked so we gotta work on our spacing uh get that right and just get working from there was that something that they caused the spacing issues or was that something kind of you guys just weren't focused on enough uh sure a little bit of both uh they did they were physical with us and uh we knew that coming in that they're gonna do that so it wasn't a surprise but just still, I think we were kind of uh, 
out, out of our spots that we need to be when we're executing our stuff. And uh, so, yeah, we definitely got to watch film of that and how to create the open looks that we've been getting uh, just with the ball moving and slashing and executing the right way. So it's got to keep doing that. Um, just with how MB played, how all that offensive issues, was it a silver lining that you guys were that close at the end? I mean, no moral victories, <laughs> especially when guys has a night like that. So uh, we came here to win the game, and we didn't get get the job done. So it's disappointing, but uh, we're gonna regroup, and we got a lot of a lot of basketball being played. So uh, we're gonna go home and regroup and uh, try to protect home court. All right, there's Lowry Markinen, uh and Lowry tonight, as we mentioned, 15 points, 10 rebounds. Uh, you heard him talk about Joel Embiid there, 59 points for Joel, 11 boards, 8 assists, and yet the Jazz were still close in this one. But I liked Lowry's answer to the question where they said, uh, you, you know, you take something from being able to win this game even uh, with a performance like that going on on the other side. He said, no moral victories. they got to go out there and slow them down. And they came to win, right? And didn't yeah. do it. So I'm with you. That was the best part of that interview to me. I thought so, yeah. That's the right answer. Um, if you're going to keep score, then you might as well win. And, you know, he, he mentioned things they can do. Spacing being paramount. You know, he made the point, driving it in there, if, if spacing isn't great, the defense is able to kind of suffocate both. And you end up shooting a bad shot. And I, I felt like the Jazz got into it that more tonight. Obviously, the block shots, that number would indicate as well. Yeah, the Jazz were far from perfect. I mean, there were certainly things they could have, have done better. I don't, I don't know what other things they could have done with Joel Embiid, honestly. I mean, I saw some chatter online about playing Walker Kessler more, but I don't, I'm not so sure that's the answer. The, 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 the winnable nature of this game was in the Jazz lack of execution, I thought. Yeah, they they did what they had to do. You know, got down to any game on the road you want a chance to win in the last five minutes. Um, the Jazz certainly had that, and you know, to the point, spacing wasn't great. Some decision making, maybe some execution, not fouling, um, but all that stuff. That's the beauty of a season; you can implement it. And I know from his answer, speaking to Lowry, that you know, losing games, and particularly when he said a guy has a night like that. You know, that that does not sit well with a team that, that competes to win. No, I wouldn't I wouldn't think so, no matter who it is over there. I just don't think that the the Jazz match up well against somebody like Joel Embiid. Again, that, that sounds like such a stupid take coming out of my mouth because you know, who else on the planet is like Joel Embiid or, or what other team is equipped to to guard Joel Embiid? But the Jazz in particular, I mean, we're so used to watching a team with Rudy Gobert. They just don't have a, a rim force like that. They don't have a big defender like that. And, you know, give give Kelly Olenek uh, all the credit in the world. He's going out there and throwing his heart and soul at the guy. And Markinen, too. They just aren't really physically equipped to to battle a mismatch like that, especially when he's got it going. No, and, and I think the way, you know, you, you hit it on the head, there's very few teams that have a great matchup with him. You know, that's why he's one of the best players in the league. But think about these things. You get him involved more in half court where he has to be more, um, you know, assignment sound, which, you know, five man makes a couple threes early, obviously going to get him a little bit more having to be a little more mobile. So you put pressure on him that way. You do a better job of getting stops so you can run. You've got to run him. You've got to run him up and down the floor. Um, and then I think the other piece of that is they learn tonight. 
you know, mixing up looks, running a guy at him. He's pretty good, um, you know, making all those reads. But they they found him. They got his 100% tonight. I, I really do believe that's as good as I've seen him play. Um, you know, a lot of maturity tonight by him. Jazz fall tonight to the 76ers, 105-98. to Post game is brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru and the My Subaru Is campaign. Real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Subaru owners are diverse and each has a unique story to share. Read some and share your own at MySubaruIs.com. Play the game. Wrap it up next. You're listening to Utah Jazz Basketball. Wow! The outcome is in the books. Let's get to the reaction. Hear from the coaches, the players, as well as the coach, Tim LaCombe. It's the Mark Miller Utah Jazz Postgame Show. Here's Jake Scott. Five minutes to play. The Jazz this year are 6-2 in the clutch. Marketing. Hands to Sexton. Guarded by Thibel. Thought to be one of the best on-ball defenders in the league. Sexton drives, attacks Embiid. And the young ball takes it to the process again. Tied at 96, Colin Sexton. There you go, the play of the game. Our guy David Locke on the call. It's brought to you by Larry H. Miller Dealerships for service, sales, and selection. LHMauto.com, driven by you. Jazz fall tonight, 105-98. to 98. Jake Scott coach Tim Lacombe. Post game brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. Featuring the My Subaru Wiz campaign. Real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Share your Subaru story for a chance to win prizes. Learn more and share at MarkMillerSubaru.com. If there was a positive story tonight, it was the bench production. Heard a highlight from uh, Colin Sexton right there. He and Beasley coming off the bench were uh, both terrific uh, tonight. And, Coach, you know, uh, the the bench is going to be a strength of this team. And, by the way, the bench is going to be a weakness for Philadelphia going forward. But the Jazz are going to win some games because they've got a, a bunch of good guys coming off the bench. We've seen that already. You know, it's definitely been applicable. Um, you know, again, tonight was a lot about Embiid. Um, Jazz didn't have many answers. And again, I don't know uh, many teams throughout the league, um, you know, that would have answers for seven for nine from long mid. I mean, he just really had it going. Jazz fouled him too many times. You know, he got a lot of points from the line. Um, but he was he was dominant on both ends of the floor, the blocks, everything else. It was more about him, you know, than anything tonight, I think. Well, we were talking about it in this, you know, People always uh, uh, freak out about comparisons because, oh, you're saying it's this guy. But Joel Embiid, I think tonight had the, it felt like I was watching vintage Hakeem. I mean, he's bigger than Hakeem, and he's, you know, Hakeem was super physical. I don't want to if you'd say he's more physical than Hakeem, but I mean, just those moves in the jumpers, and, and it was so smooth, and it felt like it was going in every single time, and there's nothing you could do about it. It felt like, Watching the dream back in the day. There's no question. His his footwork, you know, his euro, the way that he kind of hesitates when he steps through to gain contact, <clears throat> and then just his dominant physical presence, uh, all that combined. I mean, he really should be one of the best for a long time. And um, tonight, just exerted his will on the game. Uh, the Jazz uh, thought fought like crazy. Um, just probably a few two mistakes here and there. You know, turnovers particularly that led straight to baskets. Um, but, man, in stretches, the Jazz, again, looked really, really good and did some good things tonight. All right, let's. Uh, if you're just joining us, quick review of the, of the uh, stats in the box score. Biggest thing that stands out to you, of course, is 59 points from Joel Embiid. An incredibly efficient 19 of 28 shooting. He was 20 of 24 at the line, 11 rebounds, 8 assists, 7 
block shots, and I believe five of those came in the fourth quarter when the game was on the line. I mean, he was just incredible uh, tonight and uh, certainly a pleasure to watch. Uh, Maxi poured in 18 on 8 of 24 shooting. Outside of that, uh, Philly got 8 from Harris and not a whole lot from uh, anybody else. 48% from the field is what uh, Philly shot. Only 4 of 23 from 3, but this game was not about the 3 ball for the Sixers, certainly. For the Jazz, they shot uh, 39% from the field, 11 of 37 from 3, a rough 13 of 23 uh, from the line for the Jazz, they were led by Malik Beasley, who had 18 points. Colin Sexton also had 15 coming off the bench. Lowry Markinen with 15. Kelly Olynyk had 14. Uh, Jordan Clarkson with 12. Mike Conley, another nice assist night. Eight assists tonight for Mike, but only three points on one of seven shooting. Jared Vanderbilt had 10 points, or excuse me, nine points. Uh, he also had uh, 10 rebounds and three assists. I uh, just want to go over Walker Kessler's line because uh, I love it. 12 uh, minutes tonight for Walker. He had he was one of five shooting, only two points, but had nine boards in those 12 minutes and three block shots. He is, uh, you know, Mike predicted all-star uh, a couple of games ago. Mike Smith did in our pregame. I don't know if I'm I'm quite on board, but, man, there's the makings of something right there, isn't there? You can use that. You can use effort like that. You can use you know guys that quote unquote. I always like the con- hey, they just have a way of finding the ball. No, no, no it's they, they work, you know, and they are consistent. He's physical, and then he's just got good gifts. He really does. Yeah, and it'll be fun to watch him uh, grow and get better because it it feels like he has the room to get better and. Uh, he's a fun guy to watch play. Uh, that's for sure. All right, Coach Lacombe, let's get some final thoughts uh, from you on this one before we look forward to the Knickerbockers on Tuesday. Well, by my count, since the 1st, today's the 13th of, Jan- of November, uh, since the 1st of the month, the Jazz have had about a night and a half in their own beds. So wow. uh, if any of you have been on a long vacation, you know how nice it is to get home. I, I can't imagine you know, how tired these guys must be. So that is a huge factor in this game, you know, as you look back on it. It's going to be nice for them to get home only to turn around and, and head out again. Um, but it'll be, you know, most importantly, they're through this crazy stretch and things, uh, at least this week, we have Tuesday, Friday, Saturday. So certainly a lot of games have been wedged into a short amount of time. This will be a nice change for that for having a week with three games as opposed to four i mean it's been a grind it, yeah and that makes a difference for sure yeah have absolutely. that many days off in a row will be great yep that absolutely makes a difference we want to say big thanks to lock and boone great work from those two characters uh calling all the action tonight thanks to our broadcast assistants thanks to jameel Hawkins for uh, producing tonight, doing his normal terrific work. We appreciate him. Uh, thanks to Mark Miller Subaru, the title sponsor of the post-game show and the My Subaru Is campaign. Real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Subaru owners are diverse and each has a unique story to share. Read some and share your own at MySubaruIs.com. Coach Lacombe, of course, thank you, sir. Enjoy your week. Pleasure, man. It was awesome being with you. I will see you Tuesday. Our next broadcast own. is Tuesday. The Knicks of New York are in town uh, here at Vivint Arena. That game will tip off at 7 o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins at 6. You've been listening to Utah Jazz Basketball. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. 
started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.